Hey guys, it's Victoria. Just here, uh, recording the day after Thursday morning. Um, so I had a curious audio error in this one in which Audacity sort of froze up while I was recording, uh, and during those freezes it didn't take down any of my audio. So during some parts where I was talking there was like a 20 second gap where I was just totally silent. Uh, basically I tried to edit around that as best I could. Um, I kind of had to hacksaw some parts of it. Specifically during the during the shorter college football and NFL recaps, um, you might notice that the conversation flows a little strangely, especially during the Thursday night football talk. Um, there's like a really obnoxious cut, and unfortunately there's not much I can do about it. That's why this one might sound a little strange. So, yeah. hope you like the episode. I think the tuck rule is, is a crock personally, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Too bad you guys screwed that tuck rule up. That one doesn't count. Huh? Huh? Over with. Come on now. You never get over that. That'll be ever. We're scarred forever. That'll be on his headstone. Hey guys, uh, this is Tuck Rule, the first football podcast for girls, gays, and theys. It's me, your co-host Victoria, aka Tran Campbell, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. Katie, a.k.a. Girl Belichick. What's up, Katie? <laughs> uh, not much. Uh, thank you for that supremely flattering introduction. I did not tell Katie that was coming. So, uh, But we have football to talk about. A day later than normal. There are lots of fun things to talk about here. Um, and I think we're going to start, um, as always, with uh, college football, because that's chronological order. Katie, did you want to walk us through some of the big scores of the week? All right. I thought this week was kind of... It had some surprises in it, uh, but not this one. Number two, Georgia beating South Carolina 40-13. to Completely forgettable game. Georgia's defense still looks absolutely terrifying. And their offense is pretty simple. They just... They don't really do a lot that schematically is very impressive. Um, so... Good win for Georgia. It wasn't a trap game, and I don't think anyone expected it to be. Uh, and then we jump back over to noon where Oklahoma, number three, beat Nebraska 23-16. This game kind of had a little bit of buildup because everyone talked about the game of the century that happened 50 years ago. This game actually was interesting to me. I thought I thought Spencer Rattler actually did not look that good. Um, I feel like everyone sort of like crowned Spencer Rattler uh, like early and said that he would be a top five pick. And I think he probably will be because um, he's he still has the like physical tools to be like a very good quarterback. But like he's really erratic. Like he is definitely in a certain line of quarterbacks who are not always going to do the smart thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, and the thing is, I you can tell Nebraska's game plan was get some soft zone, make sure that, you know, when he, when he has to throw his RPOs, he doesn't really know where he's going. He he only averaged, I think, five and a half yards of an attempt in the first half. Uh, it was it was not good. Um, but Nebraska, too, give them credit. I mean, they were a pretty big pain in the ass for Oklahoma basically the entire game. Then we go... Back to the night slate, which this might have been the dumbest game 
of this week. Uh, number six, Clemson won 14 to eight uh, at Georgia Tech. I think. Uh, <laughs> Disgusting, evil <laughs> game. I hated it. I hated every second okay. of it. Oh my god, this is just hilarious. Like this game, I think was seven to three for most of it. Clemson fans already don't like Tony Elliott, who is their offensive coordinator. Uh, this was bad. Um, Georgia Tech in Clemson had 4.3 yards per play. Uh, Georgia Tech, well, Clemson scores a touchdown, makes it 14-3. Georgia Tech scores a field goal, 14-6. They get the onside kick. They drive to, like, the two-yard line, and it's, like, 19 seconds left on fourth and goal, and they get stuffed on a shovel pass at the one. From there, Clemson tries to ice the game with a run. Uh, it gets stuffed in the end zone for a safety. <laughs> so, and if you're Clemson, you're probably really, really nervous right now. Uh, let's see here. The 7.30 game of the night was... Number 10, Penn State 28. Number 22, Auburn 20. I thought Penn State actually really did look like the better team in this contest. Um, Auburn had a few things that they did. I mean... Penn State was playing a lot of cover three early, and uh, Bo Nix was able to find those little seams in the cover three zone. Um, but Penn State, Sean Clifford, I think he was like 28 of 32, if I'm not mistaken. Um, some of those throws were not exactly smart, but he can scramble enough and he can break contain enough to where he can throw the ball. And, uh, you know, they, they've got Jahan Dotson who can make all those plays, and he, you know, once again stood out. Penn State, you know, better team. They got the win. That's about all you can ask for. Um, so that is most of our games. The the one game that Victoria really wanted to put on here, uh, number 16, Coastal Carolina, 28. They went to Buffalo and won, but it was close. 28-25. She says, let me speak on the Bulls. So I'm going to let her speak on the Buffalo. Hi. Um, so... <laughs> I found out, like, Coastal Carolina, let me be clear, is, like, my favorite college team to watch. I love their offense. I'm not sure if I've really, like, soapboxed about them, but just everything, like, their spin on the triple option out of the gun and having, like, a, like, legitimate passing attack off of it is just, I love everything that they do. And uh, I would love to watch them play, hypothetically, which is why it's puzzling that I found out that they came to my town about an hour before the game started uh when i had work Oof. and oh. i am furious that i didn't go to this game because buffalo actually like held 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 tough um yeah like, they, yeah they really did it was it was wild actually i wasn't expecting it i think a lot of people expected maybe more regression from buffalo than we're gonna get because the new coach was brought in so late that they're basically running the same book. Like, they have the same offensive and defensive playbook pretty much. Lance Leipold took some of his players to Kansas with him, but he didn't take the quarterback, Kyle Vantries, who isn't he isn't that special. But, you know, you have the same quarterback. You still have uh, Kevin Marks Jr. They have a new running back, uh, McDuffie, who's pretty nice. Um, for basically as long as I've been... Uh, college football fan the most notable thing about buffalo is that they is that they always spit out these like really awesome running backs and we have two more of those on this team and they held tough with coastal um coastal played pretty well for the most part um but buffalo still pretty good still probably uh, have to consider them 
Buffalo started one and two, but it's like a pretty good one and two because this Nebraska team isn't as bad as I think we might have thought originally. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. Those are the other scores from this weekend. Those are the games that we're not really going to talk about all that much. Because um, here on the Tuck Roll, we do like to do things a little bit differently. Uh, but this this week is actually probably going to be pretty... You can probably guess the games we're going to be uh, talking about. Um, so I wanted to start with a segment called Friday Night Pants Shite. So, I think you did very good work, Katie. <laughs> uh, that makes one of us. So, your two college games of the night, Maryland and Illinois. I'm going to go over that one a little bit first. I didn't watch it. Uh, Illinois was up 17-10 in the fourth quarter. They ended up losing 20-17, to and uh, I think the big thing that uh, from this game you got to take away, uh, to his little brother, Talia, 32-43, uh, 350, and one passing touchdown. Pretty good. Pretty good. Baby Tua um, rocks. I yeah. In this house, we stand Baby Tua. Yeah, Maryland scored ten points in the final two minutes, thirteen seconds to win twenty seventeen. Uh, that wasn't the most interesting college game of the night. Uh, that goes to Louisville UCF. Um, the interesting <laughs> thing I think about UCF is Malzahn hasn't really taken away the speed from their offense uh they still play fast as hell it's just you can see where the malzahn like wing t gun thing kind of works in like a lot of motions from the receivers behind the backs um a lot of a lot of sweeps and misdirections that you know wing t staples basically um but uh both these quarterbacks, I, I, both of these quarterbacks are just absolutely nightmarishly fast here. Uh, Malik Cunningham, once they got past the first quarter, he, he ended up playing pretty well. Um, what also did them well was uh, UCF ran a lot of too high in the in the first half, and what it ended up doing is it ended up making Malik Cunningham's reads a little bit better, especially on RPOs. But in simultaneously, uh, UCF ended up being pretty good against cover three. This game ended up being a shootout. Uh, the, the ending sequence, I think, is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> 27 seconds left. Lee Cunningham throws a ball and like, it's like a double-A gap pressure. Um, gets tipped up by the blitzing guy. And the guy catches it at the Louisville 41. You think, okay, well, UCF can drive for a field goal and end it, you know, and end up winning the game. Uh, that is not what happened. <laughs> um, no. Dylan Gabriel, credit to him, he ended up throwing a shallow cross. Uh, this ball was actually thrown really well. The receiver kind of like, he tried to catch it like it was a water balloon and it like tipped up in the air. This linebacker just comes down with it and pick sixes it. And it is the most absurd game ending I have seen in a little bit. Anyways, um, not only just... not only did Dylan Gabriel throw that pick six, but he broke his fucking clavicle. I'm just, <laughs> uh, just, yeah, uh, bad night. But like maybe one of the worst five minutes you can have in your life. Just... Yeah. Giving yeah. up a game that was yours to take and also breaking your clavicle. Just brutal. I Originally, I was going to call this 
segment the uh, Scott Satterfield redemption arc, but I don't really think you can call it that. Um, but you have to say, though, Louisville probably deserved to win the game. They ended up having over 500 yards of total offense uh, and ended up winning the first down battle, too. So Louisville ended up basically winning a game I think they should have won, but in a way that they should not have won it. Um, so our last game of the night is actually a high school game. Uh, <laughs> so if you didn't see this on Twitter, uh, this Bishop Gorman versus Hamilton high school game. Uh, Bishop Gorman is from Nevada. They're one of the top programs uh, in the entire country. They recruit a lot of kids from uh, LA area, Southern California in general. Um, Hamilton, who is apparently a pretty good program out there. I'm not going to pretend like I know everything about these two programs. Um, what the fuck, Katie? You're not an point. expert in Arizona high school football? Why do yeah, I pay you the big you know, bucks then? Uh, well, you don't pay me anything, so there's that. But, uh, shh, shh, so, shh, don't say that. <laughs> so, minute 10 to go. Uh, Hamilton is down 24-7 of Bishop Gorman. Uh, Hamilton kicks field goal. So they're only down 24-10. They recover the onside kick. What was funny to me was, at this point... So they march down the field in like 30 seconds, score a touchdown. Uh, so now they have to kick another onside. It's 24-17. They ended up recovering that one with 27 seconds left. Uh, they scored with I just want 8 to pause seconds here. to go. I just want to... Go ahead. This... this this onside kick configuration how is it <laughs> like uh, this is it is impossible for me to describe this to any listeners who haven't seen it but like like i think everyone's like inside like hash distance the hash is it's out. the most yeah. insane yeah the and they're probably inside ever. the college hashes too yeah yeah uh it was nuts so they recovered the second onside kick. They end up driving, uh, scored with eight seconds left with the seam, uh, throw up the seam for a touchdown. Two-point attempt. Uh, this thing went nuts. Uh, the quarterback evaded, like, two rushers, crawled to his left, extended the ball out like a, like a fucking storybook, and they ended up winning 25-24. to After being down 24-7 with 70 seconds left, it was absurd. I have watched this probably at least two or three times. Um, it, it really, the commentator gets more funny when he says, oh, this doesn't matter. Uh, that yep. That's when you know, like. Sort of like one of the bigger games on the Saturday slate was Alabama, Florida. Uh, Florida put up, uh, I think, like a way tougher fight than I would have expected from them. Um, they kind of like pushed Alabama around a little bit in the. Yeah. run game so uh it looks like alabama's like pretty like mortal i guess yeah i think yeah it, it was it was an interesting game because bama actually went up 21-3 uh but you could also kind of tell that there were some weaknesses too like i mean bama went up 21-3 to start uh you know and the athleticism was clearly on display from alabama they just they just out athleted uh, Florida to that 21-3 score. Uh, that was actually the most points that a Dan Mullen team has allowed in the first quarter. Um, but you could also... The interesting thing to me, too, was you could also kind of see that Alabama's linebackers, I don't think, held their uh, 
edges very well, and I don't think, like, the run support definitely was off compared to years past. You, I mean, and the other thing is, too, I mean, give Florida credit for this. They were able to drive Alabama off the ball. Usually that's not the case, but Florida rallied. They, um, the score was 31-29 at the end. Uh, I think Florida blew a two-point conversion. Interesting things, uh, Florida actually outgained Alabama by over 100 yards, 440 to 341. Uh, and the yards per play, which is another it's another stat I kind of like to look at just to see, like, how good were you really, you know? Uh, Florida had 6.2 yards play, Bama just had 5.3. And the other weird thing is, Alabama only had 91 rushing yards this game. They were, they were kind of bottled up. It was a very strange game to watch because you kind of feel like Alabama kind of took their foot off the accelerator pedal, but that's not giving enough credit to Florida, who just kind of, I guess, forced Alabama out of their comfort zone. So, for me, that's how I kind of read the Alabama-Florida game. Um, I think it'll be interesting going forward to see whether uh, this was an aberration by Alabama. Um we, uh, we saw Michigan State just blow out uh, Miami, so that win that Alabama had over Miami may not mean that much in the end. So that to me is interesting. I, you know, like this is a mortal Alabama team, and SEC's open this year. Uh, and truth be told, I always thought that this Alabama team would be more like 2010, where they, I think they went like 10-3. and three. For my sake, I hope that happens. It was it was really wild to watch someone push around Alabama's linebackers because like for the pla- for the past like decade plus you just don't see that happen like Alabama always has no. like a a, uh, a defensive front that's gonna like smother your run game pretty much um, so it was really cool to see that happen let's get let's get weird um, this is this is like my personal story of the week maybe um, oh yeah. Fresno State at UCLA. I had never heard of Jake Hayner before this night, but now I would take a bullet for him. I'm not going to pretend like I know what happened in the first three quarters of this game. <laughs> All I know is that Jake Hayner uh, was, I believe, uh, he took a musket ball to the gut. And he... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jake Hayner, that's, that's who a... was pierced by the Lance of Longinus, still yet quarterback Fresno State to... A incredible upset over UCLA. For me, I I think I think when I saw this for the first time, I didn't I obviously didn't watch the game live uh, until the very end because there are twelve people that have the Pac-12 network, which is why it's actually called the Pac-12 network. Um, so <laughs> Jake Hayner to me kind of reminded me of Byron Leftwich, and I know that's a weird comparison, but. If you're sure. of a certain age, Byron Leftwich uh, quarterbacked a rally when he was playing at Marshall in 2002 on a broken leg. Um, that's kind of what Jake Hayner's performance uh, kind of reminded me of. Like you could, like he could not walk. Like after it every was crazy. play, like he was. The other, the weird thing about him is like. He's got a quick release. Uh, he is a small guy. Like, he's probably... He's listed at 6'1", but he's probably under 6 feet. Uh, small guy, though. Uh, but a smart player overall. You know, quick release. He can, get, he can alter his throw angle to get the ball where he has to. Uh, so, this last drive to me is just absurd. 
they're down 37 to 33 because UCLA scored a really quick touchdown. Uh, Fresno had 50 seconds left. Jake Hayner could not walk. Like, his hip literally was making him not be able to walk. But he stands in the pocket like this total badass and throws like these three absolute precision darts. Like, these are... These are some of the most beautiful passes you will ever see. Last throw was a throw to the pylon. It was perfect. Uh, ended up being a touchdown. Uh, Fresno State, 140-37. to uh, Jake Hayner's final stats were just... This is gold. 39-53 uh, of 53 for 455. And two touchdowns. It was... It was also kind of weird, too, because Fresno State held the ball for over 40 minutes. They clearly knew that UCLA, if they got the ball, would score quickly. So uh, they executed their game plan pretty well, too. So Jake Hayner, love you. Absolutely would take a bullet for you. You are the Tuck Rules uh, officially endorsed candidate for Heisman. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have one last sad college football segment to go over. This is my... <laughs> my... <laughs> Oh Lord! <laughs> my dear You're Presbyterian what? blue hose, my <laughs> my hose, my fucking hose. Oh God, Presbyterian! <laughs> if you're just joining us, we've been following Presbyterian uh, because they hired the uh, high school coach who doesn't punt, Kevin Kelly. Uh, he's a crazy person. In the first two weeks of the season, they they blew the doors off St. Andrews and uh, the University of Fort Lauderdale, both both schools with less than like 600 students. And everyone was all excited about the Blue Hose in their first Pioneer League game against Campbell. Go Humps. The Humps took him behind the barn. Uh, 72 to nothing. This, this, this was brutal. Ren Hefley, our hero, who just two weeks ago threw 10 touchdowns and was a shining... Hero went 20 for 39 for 145 yards and six interceptions. <laughs> he was also sacked seven times, too. Like, <laughs> oh, just oh like Campbell. So, um, believe it or not, uh, if you're the coach who doesn't punt, other coaches fucking hate you and will do anything possible to spite you. Campbell was going for it on fourth down when they were up by a bajillion scores, and they, like, very <laughs> deliberately ran up the score as a fuck you. Um, it's hard to argue that my blue hose didn't deserve this. Wiley Hartley, the Campbell quarterback, went 21 of 29 for 337 and six touchdowns. I also have the places where Presbyterian got stopped on fourth down. Presbyterian did not pump this game, true to form. Um, some of these uh, fourth down stops are just absolutely hilarious. Um, fourth and one at their own 34. Okay, that's fine. Fourth and seven at the Campbell 26. Okay. Fourth and 22 from their own two. I just started laughing when I read that. Um, fourth and six from the Campbell 17. Fourth and 11 from their own 35. <laughs> Um, yeah, and there are two, yeah, it's just hilarious, like, the thing is, when you don't punt, the theory is, it doesn't really matter all that much, uh, whether you lose by one or a hundred, uh, but, uh, it's kind of hard to sell players on 72 to nothing, like, that. like, that's just, that's demoralizing. Yeah, not, um... Not the most inspiring showing. When you turn over the ball ten times, bad things are going to happen. Um, oh, boy. 
I'm sorry, Blue Hose. Uh, we're going to stick with you, though. We're going to keep following you. We're going to watch you get your ass beat by every other Pioneer League team, and it's going to be great. <laughs> so with that, uh, onwards to professional football, the NFL. Uh, I said professional football like we'd talk about like the CFL or something. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, National Football League No, for no, us. we're going to talk... No, 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 no. We're going to talk about Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's what we do here on the table. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it could be. Uh, so, this was kind of a weirder week. I'm going to run through some relevant scores. Bills 35, Dolphins 0. This is about as bad as I think, as a fan, you can oh feel my after God. a 35-point shutout. They <sighs> played like shit, Katie. Josh Allen played like I shit. I know! Yeah, I, I ended up watching the highlights and seeing the stats. Um, yeah, I, I I was like, why the fuck is she so angry? And then I went back so to the highlights and saw the drive chart. Um, this was the ugliest 35 nothing win I've ever seen. And, like, I, 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 you know, like, I still feel good about it because Dolphins fans spent all offseason talking shit, even though when they needed a win in Week 17 last year to make the playoffs, the Bills' backups crushed them and put up 56 but, you know, whatever. And then they just turned around and did it again in Week 2. That feels good. Fuck the Dolphins. Dolphins fans just tend to be, like, everywhere in a way that, like, Jets fans aren't. Like, there's a lot more Dolphins fans in Western New York than there are Jets or Patriots fans. Uh, and That's so weird. fuck the Dolphins. And <laughs> Anyway, uh, Josh Allen is broken. Don't look too close. Browns 31, Texans 21. I'm only bringing this game up because Tyrod was incredible and now he's hurt. Because the universe yeah. cannot let any of us have fun. Yeah, uh, Tyrod uh, Taylor started 9 of 9. Uh, I think he was like 10 of 11 when he got knocked out. And now they have Davis Mills, who is... Uh, Stanford also ran. So we'll see how that turns out. I was I was hoping to see Tyrod get to play against the Bills here in Week 4. It looks like that's not going to happen. Ugh, anyway. Rams 27, Colts 24. This game was weird. Well, Carson Wentz didn't look that bad, and also I think it's pretty clear that the Rams are missing Brandon Staley. Their defense isn't that good. Raheem, oh god, Raheem Morris? Is that right? I just totally blanked on his name. Um, the Rams defense seems to have pretty clearly regressed, so that's something to watch going forward. But Matthew Stafford has greatly improved that offense. Uh, the Rams are really good. Yeah, they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be in the Super Bowl mix. Um, yeah, I think for sure. Yeah, I didn't watch this game at all. I just saw. I was watching Red Zone though, and I saw the graphic that said that the Rams had a sixty nine percent chance of winning. I just said nice. That's the only that's the only insight you're gonna get from me about this game. Perfect. Um Cardinals thirty four, <laughs> Vikings thirty three. Oh boy. Uh oh, Minnesota. Um Kyler Murray is not normal. He is a tiny no. little kindergartner alien, uh, with a howitzer <laughs> uh strapped to his back. Like there it, he is Cliff Kingsbury is gonna keep his job and it's gonna be because Kyler's gonna like play against his system and because he just can't help being great oh gosh yeah i yeah I, I think the big thing for me was i know a couple minnesota vikings fans were just absolutely heartbroken after this game um and the other thing too is i've always thought that Kyler murray kind of runs like a scared yoshi like uh, <laughs> like when you like when he gets like scared after like he gets hit by an enemy or something like he just starts running like that that's what Kyler murray runs like so, uh, just going into some of the games that we're going to spend a little bit more time on, um, we have the NFC East after dark, uh, 
the Thursday night slot this year for the NFL is like uniquely bad compared to what it normally is, and it's normally not very good. <laughs> yeah, it's real. Um, it's real sickos energy here. Like it's just oh ugh. god. Yeah, yeah. I so, thought they like the thing that was interesting to me from a schematic standpoint is it felt like Washington didn't defend like the zone read at all. They just didn't. They they just didn't respect Daniel Jones's running ability. So he had ninety five yards and was the Giants' leading rusher. Uh, the only one that actually, I think, got an open hole at any point for the Giants this oh, game. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, like, and it's weird because, like, Jones has put on tape that, like, like, he, like, he's not terribly fast. He is a, he is a solid 4'8", uh, 40-time runner. I think that's fair to say. But, uh, if yeah. you don't respect him at all in the zone read game, he can actually, you know, he can, he can hurt you with it, um... He had a, like he had some really nice longer runs. The end of this game was so stupid. Both teams tried very hard to uh, give the game up to the other. Uh, it ended on the team coached by a special teams coach making a crucial special teams error. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh just like so. Washington lines up for the potentially game-winning field goal. Dustin Hopkins misses. There's an offsides. They get a second uh, uh, crack at it, and Dustin Hop- Dustin Hopkins makes it. We love that. Uh, both of these kickers thrived, by the way. Uh, Graham oh, yeah. Gano, I think, hit five field goals, if I'm, yeah. if I'm right about that. Either, yeah. Yeah, in my, um, yeah, in my fantasy leagues, he was, like a, he was like a quarterback, basically. He had, like, 22 fantasy points in our league. Just absolutely absurd. I think that we can all agree that uh, that Graham Gano owes his success to the fact that he kicked the game-winning field goal uh, in the first-ever United Football League championship game back in 2009 uh, when he oh, won gosh. the championship for the Las Vegas Locomotives, quarterbacked, of course, by J.P. Lossman. None of that was a joke. That's all true. Um, I only learned, or I guess I only remembered this because of a Wikipedia hole that I went down after the game because I was like, damn, Graham Gano is <laughs> awesome. But yeah, uh, so NFC East after dark, that was pretty wild. Katie, how about a little Titans talk? Oh, Lord. Um, so this game, uh, I think, took like, I think this game took a couple years off my life. Um, it was funny because I was in, I was in like a little group chat that, uh, me and Victoria and a few other friends have, uh, where I was like, this Titans team is like if Quaaludes were a football team. Like, they're just so, like, <laughs> just so boring. <laughs> like, like, and I think a lot of it, too, was it was a really, it was very much a Jekyll and Hyde game. Uh, first half for the Titans didn't go well. Uh, a lot of drops, uh, a lot of Tannehill misses, I think. Uh, Derrick Henry got stuffed, and uh, Tyler Lockett absolutely terrorized her back, her defensive backs. Um, so we ended up going down 24-9 at halftime. And then Derrick Henry, God bless the king, came alive. <laughs> like It seems like with him a lot of the time, like for the whole first half, you're like, what the fuck is Derrick Henry doing? He has like 13 carries for like 20 yards. And then like... Yeah, he just keeps hitting them with it over and over and over and over again, and then like eventually it just starts working because no other yeah, running back I mean, is built the, like he is. Yeah, I think too. I was kind of worried after week one because like 
what I saw, like, he had no room the entire game. But, um, so I think the big schematic adjustment the Titans did was I think they went inside zone more in the first half. Um, you know, basically to try and, you know, give some body blows to the Seattle defense. But, um, in the second half, what they did was they, they ran a lot more outside zone. And it seems like Seattle's, um, Seattle's, like, backside run contain just, it couldn't handle it. Like, Derrick Henry had, like, these massive cutback runs that, like, they shouldn't really have happened, but with Derrick Henry, you can kind of also see how they did. Um, I think the other thing, too, is is that, like, Miami Tannehill turned into Tennessee Tannehill again. Like, he, he definitely found his groove in the passing game, and Julio Jones was just... Julio Jones was just a terror the entire game. Uh, A.J. Brown had a lot of drops, though. Um... I think I tweeted out the win probability graph from this game. Like it was just Seattle the entire way, and then yeah, and then Tennessee like just you know jumped up like out of nowhere to a hundred percent. Randy Bullock, the fat kicker, we stand fat kickers on the Tuck Roll. Uh, missed field right. goal. Uh, missed field goal late in the third. Um, overtime, we drive, and then our little fat kicker, Randy Bullock. Makes the game-winning field goal, and uh, we won 33-30. I think that's a really, really good win. And also, I have to note, too, do you want to hear the three-game slate we have uh, before we face y'all on Monday Night Football? It uh, is... That game's going to suck. I'm all, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also really not, especially since we have the Chiefs immediately afterwards. Um, that's not good. Uh but this little three-game slate is just hilarious to me. We have the Colts. Uh, eh, I mean, we should be able to beat them. I think we're all like a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, then we're at the Jets, uh, which <laughs> so that should be good. And then we're at the Jaguars. Uh, just those are three games that you probably should win all three of. Like, we should be 4-1 and one yeah. heading into that Buffalo game. That's Titans talk with Katie. Um it's more Titans talk than you're probably ever going to want to hear, but I don't really care because this is our fucking podcast. That's right. Um, so, beyond the Titans, um, so a whole lot of rookie quarterbacks got some playing time this week. Uh, the three that were already starting plus Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields ended up playing half a game. Uh, he's going to be starting week three. Uh, Matt and Aggie just announced it like as we were recording, so we're going to see more Justin Fields. All four of the rookie quarterbacks who who got some playing time this week played like uh, total shit. Zach Wilson had a had had a four interception game, and I'm not even sure saying that like um, uh, accurately conveys how bad they were. Yeah, it really doesn't cover just how bad some of these throws were. Uh, it turns out that uh, having the BYU offensive line uh, helped him a lot in college. And that uh, a lot of the criticisms were very valid. I think preseason kind of made people think that he was further along and that this Jets offense was further along than they actually are. They look bad. On the other side of the field in that same game, Mac Jones played a tidy game. Maybe. He was 22 for yeah, 30 for 186 very, yards. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's a, it was a very conservative game. They had a lot of dump-off passes underneath for him. Like it just They didn't really let him go down the field that much. They don't let him do anything. Like, uh, Mac Jones is the kid in high school who has who has the parents who just absolutely never let him hang out with, like, anyone else. Like, he's not allowed <laughs> to have any fun. He's not allowed to hang out with 
Nelson Aguilar, he has to hang out with James White. It's like, okay. It's, like, really something. And, like, I think he could probably handle a more rigorous, like, load. Um, but he he's just not being given the opportunity to, like, actually throw the ball. It is really brutal to watch. Trevor Lawrence, in his first drive against the Broncos, had a really nice touchdown pass. Uh, like, a really nice touchdown pass. Yeah. And then after that, yeah, looked... Like... Yeah, it, he looked terrible. He was 5 of 8 on it his was... first drive. Like, he actually looked really good. And then he and finishes then he 14 did. for 33 for 118 yards, yeah. one touchdown, the one on the first drive, and then two picks. The picks aren't good. His misses were bad. Yeah, Jacksonville's in a really rough uh, state right now. We're going to talk about the Broncos in a <laughs> second. But, uh, no, Jacksonville is in a rough spot. Um, and then lastly, oh, Justin yeah. Fields, who was not expected to play. The Bears and the Bengals played. Andy Dalton goes down with an injury. Justin Fields is forced into action, and he looked like he was not prepared to play. He w- he went 6-for-13 with a pick. He made it happen on the ground once or twice uh, with some like key uh, first downs. It didn't look like they were prepared to have him in. It didn't look like the offense was ready. Uh, they ended up winning anyhow because uh, Joe Burrow short-circuited and threw like three interceptions, and like it felt like five minutes towards the end of that game fields didn't have to be good in order to like get them over the start finish line kind of rough to see all four of the rookie quarterbacks do that um i don't expect that to continue forward uh obviously because i i'm confident in at least two of these players being good starting nfl quarterbacks for a long time had kind of a rough week two a lot of like not great uh draws for these quarterbacks like the like the new england defense is like designed to like terrorize not good quarterbacks the jets have a really good defensive front and mac jones was pressured a ton uh the broncos have a good defense a really good defense the bengals not so much but they have some players up front um so i would i I would expect things to get better here um katie do we want to talk about chiefs ravens so chiefs ravens did not watch this game live slept during the entirety of sunday night um I know some of you who, I think most of you probably are more NFL focused to follow this podcast. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I think that seems like an accurate description. You're probably yelling at me because you're probably thinking, Katie, what the <laughs> fuck are you thinking? I was tired, okay? Um, but I did watch this game. So I think the big thing for me early on in the first half was, I mean, Lamar Jackson threw, like, not exactly great throws. Uh, I think... Uh, both of those picks he threw to Tyran Matthew were not good. Like, I know the first one. The first one was bad because I think it was just like a little quick throw to the outside that Matthew just saw, like, pretty yeah. easily. And second one, I think, was like a downfield pass that was into, like, double coverage. Um, That's, like, one of the more inexplicable mistakes I've ever seen Lamar make. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what yeah. he saw. But, um... Yeah, it was, it was very strange. I actually watched... Um, I love the NFL next-gen stats thing because you can just kind of see, like, you can watch, like, the little dots run around. I love seeing the match. Uh-huh. Um, you can see where you did. You could kind of see, like, what the hell is Lamar Jackson thinking? Because, like, you could definitely see, like, there's someone in front of the guy he's throwing to, and there's definitely someone behind him. So, like, where's the window? But anyways, I thought, I thought other than that, um, Ravens were able to move the Chiefs off the ball pretty well. Uh, a lot of a lot of gap scheme stuff. I think the Ravens usually run that a lot, though, because it allows Lamar Jackson to get involved in like a pretty good power running game. 
Um, so we end up in the second half. Um, Baltimore, I think, ended up taking control of this game after all that stuff. Mahomes actually, I think, kind of kickstarts this because he played pretty well the whole entire game, as he usually does. I, I, I legitimately think he's the smartest football player to... I wouldn't say ever play the game, but he's certainly the smartest football player I've seen in a while. Like, he, he just knows where everything is. But this time, uh, got tripped up. Got tripped up as he was going down. Ends up lobbing a really dumb pass. I, it was picked off. Um, I'm not really sure if I've ever seen him make a decision like quite that bad um that's that's that is the kind of decision that you look at and you hand wave because he's Patrick Mahomes but like I feel like any other quarterback you would you would you would like have a round of people calling him like or you would have a round of people uh criticizing him heavily for that you haven't really seen that because it's Patrick Mahomes and he was trying to do something great um but I think it is yeah, I mean, important to, like, you you beat the Chiefs when the Chiefs beat themselves. And I think that was definitely the case on Sunday night. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, I, you could kind of see what he was going for with that throw, but it just, it, it was just, it wasn't good. It was a dumb throw. I'll just say it. It was a dumb throw. Um, Ravens go down and score immediately after that. They actually make the two-point conversion, get an ineligible man downfield penalty. And then I think it was like an incomplete pass, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, 35-30 Baltimore. Um, so Kansas City has uh, Kansas City has a five-play, 13-yard drive that doesn't really go anywhere. And then Baltimore absolutely just mashes down the field. Like this was, this had to have been a very demoralizing drive. It was a 14-play drive that lasted eight minutes, and it. Put Baltimore ahead, 36-35. Um, and then, you know, you give the ball back to the Kansas City Chiefs, and you think, oh, well, Mahomes is going to drive him down for the win. And that's kind of what happened, but not quite. Um, they ended up, I think, inside uh, Baltimore's... Uh, well, it wasn't inside the 30. It was at the 32. Um, little handoff to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, maybe trying to set up a field goal. Um he fumbles, and Baltimore ends up recovering it. Uh, Baltimore went for it on fourth down. It was like fourth oh, yeah, and they two, did. but it was... And, like, Lamar Jackson, like, I think he, he ends up getting the first down, and they run the game out. It was just, uh, you know, an instant classic. Ravens had the 481-405 yards advantage. Uh, yeah, it was just... Kansas City, though, one of six on third downs. Uh, Baltimore, six of 11. That's probably one of the big causes. Um, the other one is Hollywood Brown, who played pretty well. He had kind of a coming out game, but, uh, you know, mo- that one touchdown and a lot of those yards were off. A, uh, I think it was a Tyran Matthew blown coverage, um, if I'm not mistaken. So it was obviously an instant classic. I, I will I will gladly go back and watch this game again at some point, um, but... For me, I didn't watch it live, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't because it kind of allowed me to form some opinions I don't think I would have had if I had watched it live, but... Well, uh, there was just one last thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, there are seven teams currently still 2-0 and undefeated, um, and those uh, 
three of those teams are teams that um, I guess looking at the schedule, you 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 probably could have said that would be in this position, but uh, have looked interesting or just weird or maybe unexpected. Um, and that would be the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Raiders uh, to differing degrees. Um, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, and Derek Carr are all quarterbacks who um, <laughs> I think I'm I'm not really sure like because. Carr is kind of in a difference here because he's he sort of like established himself as the Raiders quarterback forever, even though he's like not brilliant. Um, whereas like Darnold in Carolina and Bridgewater in Denver feel like total band aids. Um, yeah, and I I personally thought that neither of those uh, that stints would would be very successful, but uh, all three of those quarterbacks are two and zero. Uh, Sam Darnold. Um, I don't, I don't really know what to do with Darnold and Teddy. Um, I will say, uh, if you watch their games, uh, I think Darnold's a little more impressive. He's playing within structure, um, but but Joe Brady uh, clearly knows how to use him and how to protect him and make him look better than he maybe is. Like It's been a lot of play action, um, hitting a lot of quick passes. I think that everyone knows that the Saints uh, aren't the team that, like, blew out the Packers in Week 1, and that's just, like, weird Week 1 bullshit. But uh, it's still nice to see the Panthers, like, very easily beat them. Uh, The Panthers' defense, too, um, Uh is really impressive. I am not an expert on defensive scheme, but um, it seems like they have the players there finally, um, and things are clicking, so you love to see that. Teddy, meanwhile... um, it definitely looks more like Denver is like hiding his deficiencies. Uh, his his game against Jacksonville is like deceptively not that good. Like Denver was losing this game until like relatively like deep into the into the second quarter and would have been losing by the half if not for a couple of missed field goals. Teddy looks okay. Uh, he made some decent touch passes. He just doesn't. He just doesn't have an arm. By starting Teddy, you're starting the guy who's gonna play it extremely safe instead of like the high variance chaos element that is drew lock but like teddy's numbers look a lot better than his arm looks when you watch him play yeah um yeah i i think the only thing i'll say about teddy bridgewater though from the highlights i saw him against the jaguars he is actually really composed as a passer um i think he's made a lot of strides in that department like i don't think he would have climbed the pocket or kind of like gone like strafed back and like thrown like i don't think he would have done that a couple of years ago like he seems to set up in the pocket a lot better now that's that's an interesting development i mean he was always good at that uh he was never a running quarterback uh despite that extremely funny graphic that they showed while he was at louisville where like they had like oh, negative rushing yards <laughs> yeah uh uh he's never gonna be i think the quarterback that people thought he was coming into the nfl but you know, I I actually was kind of impressed by him a little bit. Like he definitely, I thought showed. Uh, he was able to kind of sense the pressure, kind of throw to the vacated areas of the field, pretty good. I thought. Yeah. Um. I I don't think he played poorly. I just think like like you know exactly what you're getting when you start him. Uh, and that's what yeah. the Broncos are getting. Uh, Carr. Um, the Raiders took down the Steelers. The Raiders are two and zero, and they probably have the most like impressive wins of any two and zero team. Um, Absolutely, because yeah, because the Panthers and 
Broncos have both kind of like beaten down not good teams, whereas the Raiders have taken down two teams that should be in the playoff mix. Uh, Carr is playing like really well, um, like a version of Carr we haven't seen since like 2015. It's it's nice to see, uh, especially this week because we saw him do it uh, without Josh Jacobs. The Raiders insisted on on running Peyton Barber instead of Kenyon Drake for some reason, <laughs> even though they paid Drake. I don't understand what that's about. But also, um, you saw him do it without uh, Darren Waller getting like a bajillion targets. Like Waller had yeah. a good game, but he didn't. He he, they really he didn't have one him. of his like, like obscene games. Yeah, they really limited him. It was kind of a rock fight, honestly. Yeah, um, it was not the most entertaining game of the weekend, but um, Carr still played well. Uh, also, all these teams are very likely to start three and zero because the Panthers play at the Texans, Broncos host the Jets, and the Raiders host the Dolphins, and that's a Jacoby Brissett led Dolphins team. <laughs> um, so risk it. These teams, yeah. Uh, I I. Mm, Tua to Brissett, not that much of a difference at all. Uh, I, yeah. Like, Brissett actually looked pretty good, at, like, against the Bills, I thought. Like, not good, but, like, competent. These teams are all likely to start 3-0, uh, even though I don't think any of them are, like, genuine contenders. They're gonna be in the playoff hunt just based on how, like, the math works. Like, I think out of these three quarterbacks, um, I was actually most pleasantly surprised by Darnold, because I thought this whole thing was just gonna crash and Yeah, burn. I thought... Um, yeah, I watched a little bit of this game. Um, Darnold was really dealing. Like he's got a like the velocity is there. Um, he threw some. He threw into some really tight windows and made some really good throws. Like it, it was, it was actually very impressive. If I'm honest. Yeah, I was uh, genuinely cool to see Darnold uh, actually kind of play like real quarterback. I would, I would like to see him do that against a better team. So, uh, that kind of puts a bow on week two NFL, um, and onwards to segment three. Uh, we're running a little longer than we thought, so, uh, we're just gonna bring up a game or two each. Uh, Katie, what's up in the college slate? Uh, so, the college slate this week is kinda, eh, um, there is a good 3.30 CBS game, Texas A&M, Arkansas, uh, that should be interesting for, you know, the SEC West and the national title picture, um, but I'm going to give you an offbeat game, and you're going to look at me crazy, but I promise you it will be worth it. UTSA versus Memphis. I know, I know. Okay. I, Two I, top 30 offenses. Now, like, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, like, UTSA is cool, and Memphis is always there to do something weird. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, these are two top 30 offenses. Memphis averages over 500 yards a game. UTSA averages over 450... Uh, Seth Hennigan for Memphis, uh, eight TDs, one interception, 841 yards through his first three games. Uh, but actually, he's got a lot of help because Brandon Thomas, their running back, is second nationally in yards per game. Uh, I've seen a, quite, a, quite a bit of Calvin Austin hype on my timeline, which I guess kind of makes sense since, you know, I'm from Tennessee. You know, Fifth in the nation in receiving yards per game. Uh problem is is that their defense is allowing 480 yards a game and utsa's got some pretty decent players uh we talked about sincere mccormick in the season preview i don't think he's the actual best player in texas but he has run for over 100 yards twice in the first three games and uh 
Sakari Franklin has averaged over 110 yards this year. Uh, Memphis is a three-point favorite. It's at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, but either way, I think this should be... I think this is going to be way more fun to watch if you don't pay attention to the rankings or the names on the uniforms. Yeah, um, I think that game should be fun as shit. I will... I, like. We didn't really talk about what Memphis just did, um, but Memphis uh, is is coming off a very chaotic win against Pacific State, um, and UTSA is really cool right now. Um, meep meep. So I have uh, my my very boring pick here for the NFL is Buccaneers at Rams. These teams are both really good. The Rams are uh, if their defense is not as bad as they have looked, uh, I think that they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and. The Bucks of the Bucks. I don't. I don't think I need to explain why you should watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're they're good everywhere right now, pretty much. I think my sneaky, maybe not quite a like sickos game, but a game that will probably be better than you might oh, think. No. Uh, <laughs> Falcons and Giants, baby. Oh uh, no! We, oh fuck! We got it. <laughs> We got a oh, 1 p.m. Lord. kick on that one. Um, both these teams have the have the capability to put up lots of points, um, and okay. um, are bad. And sometimes when you <laughs> smash two two bad teams together that have like like both these teams have skill players on offense who aren't bad. Like the Falcons have Calvin Ridley and uh, and Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson and. The Giants have like a like have a like shockingly good um, uh, collection of skill position players. Um, so this game should be fun on offense. Um, I'm not saying that it'll be a, that it'll be a good game. I'm saying that it'll be entertaining. So yeah, I can't believe I just told you to watch Falcons Giants. You probably won't because odds are that your team is is playing at one. Whoever's listening, um, but just keep an eye on this one and if it's close and getting weird in the fourth quarter maybe take a look since you put it like that i i think that's a that's an acceptable way to do it and since i since i live kind of in the falcons territory for the nfc anyways uh unfortunately i will probably be stuck with that game so with that we've finished another week here uh college football week three nfl week two uh, love that those don't sync up makes it easy for me to title these episodes. I finally have good show business to talk about. Finally, after a weeks-long uh, trek up the slopes, the treacherous slopes of Mount Podcast, I have seen the podcasting warlock, and I've drank deeply of the podcasting cauldron, and we're on Apple Podcasts now. Yeah, we don't have to wait. We do not have to wage our planned guerrilla war against uh, Tim Cook and Apple. So that's good. Apple is good again. We're, we're, uh, there are other podcasting apps that I believe we're not on. Uh, I'm I'm taking a small break and a thorough victory lap for finally making this happen. If you need us on Apple Podcasts, we're there. We're on other places too. Spotify and uh, Google Podcasts, I believe. Um, don't think we're on Overcast yet. Working on it. Um, but yeah. You can follow the show account at TuckRulePod on Twitter. Show business and updates and occasional uh, ship posting. You can find me on Twitter at DirtbagQueer. I'm trying to be more measured about the bills this year because it's clear that they're not a 100% 
good vibes, burn it all down uh, team this year that they were last year. So I'm kind of trying to find an acceptable middle ground. <laughs> Katie, where can the people find you? Uh, I am at Kates of Heaven on Twitter, and you will see me get very mad on Saturday at 7 p.m. when my Tennessee Volunteers, who are a 20-point underdog to Florida, get absolutely killed. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I think we've got another one in the can. Uh, Katie, why don't you take us out of here? Seneca Wallace eats bussy. Oh, uh, it's the worst one yet. <laughs> <laughs>